Mic check, mic check. All right, I think this is working. Here we go, bonus hour. Yo, this is the bonus hour for Just Human number 150. I promised you guys that I would do a bonus hour to catch up on some news. And I said that I would record it either on Monday night or tonight, Tuesday night. Here I am. This is actually my second attempt at recording this. Um, well, not even an attempt. I already recorded an hour earlier today. I had exactly one hour uh, to spare where I was kid free and I could do it. So I rushed down here and I did it and I covered all the stuff that I wanted to present um, or at least most of it. But honestly, I just didn't feel that good about it. Uh, I rushed and yeah, I just didn't feel like I don't think it was bad. I just didn't feel all that good about it and felt like I could do a better job. And for just whatever reason, I just was like, eh, I'm not sure I want that to be my bonus hour. Just whatever. So kids are now in bed. I have I'm on my well, I'm halfway through my last cup of coffee for the evening. And I thought, what the heck, I'm going to try and record a bonus hour for you guys and or maybe not even a whole hour. What I want to do is I want to go over the David DePape, which actually, because he was in court today, we learned he likes his name to be pronounced David DePap. So DePap is how he said it, DePap. So David DePap um, was in court today and we've got indictments. We've got some charges against him. So what I want to do is I'm going to catch up on the David Deepap news that has happened since episode 150 and maybe chat about it a little bit. And then that way I can cover some fresh stuff on Wednesday morning show. So that's my plan. Welcome everybody. And do you have an announcement before we get started? black screen that's that's the pro in me screen not the right size for streaming another pro move from yours truly all right burning bright here and myself have finally announced that we are going to be doing a show together and we have it planned for this sunday this is not the graphic for the show and uh, no, Deb, I did not see this before Burning Bright posted it. He doesn't run run this kind of stuff by me, but he thinks he's a clever guy, and um, he kind of is. And he's been having a lot of fun making all these tiger memes. Uh, here is the real graphic for our upcoming show. The show is called Defected, and I... Um, it's going to be on Sunday nights at around nine. It's either at 9 PM or nine 30, one or the other. I'll think I'll, I'll figure it out before it's showtime. And it's going to be me and burning bright. And we're just going to be having a casual conversation. Um, it's not going to be deep dives or digging or anything like I, it's not going to be like my normal show. Um, it's just going to be us discussing a few topics together and taking a macro view of it. And taking a view that is specifically defected or outside of or disconnected from the matrix of falsehoods that the media are constantly trying to put on us. That is the inspiration for the name of the show is that I want to defect from the matrix of falsehoods that they constantly present us with and try to program us with. So that's it. Defected every Sunday night, Burning Bright, and myself, Just Human. It's going to be on Badlands Media. This is our Badlands Media show, and I'm really looking forward to it. We've been kicking this around for a while, but the Danchenko trial was going on, so I had to focus on that. Then I had to recover from focusing on that. This Sunday night is going to be our first show. Next week, I'm going to be at ThreadFest, or at least I'm going to be traveling to ThreadFest. Um, so it occurs to me I should probably start letting y'all know I'll do a show Monday morning, and then I'm going to be traveling, so I won't do a show next Wednesday. And um, whether or not I can do a show next Friday or 
over the weekend while I'm at Threadfest. We'll see. I'm going to take my streaming equipment or at least enough to do a, a, you know, a basic setup, mic and headphones and stuff, you know, and my laptop. So, um, I plan to try and stream from the hotel from Threadfest, at least do a short stream and just kind of chat, catch up on news, talk about November, the election, because midterms will have passed. So anyway, heads up on all that. All right, let's get to what I said we were going to talk about. This, this. All right. I want to go to not this one first. I want to go to the indictment first. So, all right. And actually, let me let me give a preface here. Um, and I probably need to do this tomorrow on the show. I've I've kind of uh, gotten out of the habit of doing this. I used to give this preface or this disclaimer quite often on the show, but I've just I was at the time I used to give it more. I was thinking about this. I used to give this preface or disclaimer more often on the show because I was so nervous about how I would be perceived. So I was always really careful to kind of introduce the take I was about to give so as so people wouldn't react to what I was saying. And uh, over time, I've gotten more and more comfortable and I've stopped doing that and I have stopped worrying about how people react. But it's uh, I think I need to put it out there. I'm going to ask that you drop the binary thinking because I don't mean to put out any binary thinking. So when I talk about characters or people, you know, like, but in the narrative sense, characters in these narratives that we're presented with, whether it's um, Pelosi or Merrick Garland or Barr or even Biden or anybody else, any of the people we're talking about, I don't mean to put hats on anybody. I'm not trying to put white hat, black hat, or gray hat on anybody. Now, occasionally I do use those terms, um, specifically when I'm using gray. I'll more often than not, I'll, it's, I think, I'll describe someone as, ah, this person's kind of gray to me, which means I can't tell if they're good or bad, but I see some things from them that I think are good, and I'll also see some things that are bad, kind of like most people. So, in the process of me going over this charge and going over this, I'm not trying to put a hat on anybody. Also, I'm not trying to get too squirrely or too, um, too out there with my analysis or my thoughts. I'm just trying to portray what's in the documents. Now, analysis comes after that. Speculation, theories, hypotheses, that's after and I'm happy to present those things, um, but I want to do it after we've gone over the bare facts as we understand them as, as they have been presented to us. Um, I'm not buying, quote unquote, the official story, but I'm also not not buying it. I'm, I'm just considering it as it's presented to us. I want to point out specifically, and this I made this a point um, I don't even remember when I made it. I may have made it on the show, but I don't think I, I think I made it in chat somewhere that well, how do I say this? Um, I think that I think it's important for us to question and scrutinize the information and the narratives and the stories that are given to us by the media. It's very important. And I think we should do, we should absolutely do that in the case of this story. We should refute their nonsense, their narratives that they're pushing on us about this guy. We should definitely dig into this guy. We should definitely dig into all the scenarios. We should definitely consider, you know, like, like we did on the show on Monday, digging into what, what's the house look like? How many cameras can we see from the street? And uh, let's look at the images. Let's look at other things. Let's compare statements. Let's listen to the 911 dispatch call, like all that kind of stuff. Like we should definitely dig into all of that, compare, contrast, see what fits, what doesn't, what contradicts, all of those things. We should do all of those things. But I don't think we should go so far as to create our own counter narratives that themselves cannot be proven or, or, do, or, or that there, aren't, there isn't enough evidence for. The media is already putting out false narratives. They're already putting on a hoax. And personally, in my opinion, we should not be putting out a hoax of our own. 
we should not be pushing a narrative that is unjustified or baseless in order to counteract theirs, which is also baseless. I don't think we should fight that way. Now, other people disagree with that, and they think that that's exactly what we should do. Um, one, because it's effective and memes are very effective tools of information. I totally agree with that. And also because it trolls the media. So putting out our counter narratives, even if they're baseless or only slightly based um, or loosely based on the facts that we have, it's still useful because it frustrates the media so much and it trolls the left. Totally get that. And honestly, I can't argue with it. But what I think is most important besides questioning and scrutinizing the facts and evidence as presented to us is to consider them, take them in, see what fits, what doesn't, and try and build a picture based off of those things. And as we find out more information, add to that. And that's how we can put together the real story of what happened. Um, and by doing that, I think we end up defeating the mainstream media's narrative anyway. Um, in my opinion, what I am seeing a lot of is the mainstream media and Democrats, excuse me, using this incident to attack MAGA and to attack Q and Anons. That's what they're doing, right? I mean, obviously, they're using this story to do those things. What I see a lot of MAGA doing and Conservative Incorporated doing is attacking that narrative, but also attacking the Pelosi's with the counter narrative of it was some sort of gay tryst in the middle of the night kind of thing. And while that is hilarious, and while that is a possibility, we don't have a lot of evidence for it, and I think we turn off moderates who are looking at this story and saying, wait a minute, what the left is telling me doesn't make sense. What the MSM is telling me doesn't make sense. But what the Con Inc. is telling me doesn't make that much sense either, although it is a lot, much, it's a lot more funny. So, you know, that's just my opinion. That's just, that's just my opinion of how we handle it, and that's how I'm going to handle it. So I may not need to give, a, give that much of a preface, but from the comments and stuff I'm getting, I feel like I needed to. So, all right, this is the federal indictment. There is also a state indictment, but this is federal for federal charges because this was a federal official and there are federal crimes to consider here. So what I want to do is read to you this indictment, which can, which has this affidavit from an FBI agent who did an interview. Okay. So United States district court, United States versus David Wayne DePap. That's how he wants it. DePap is how he told the judge to pronounce it. This is from October 28th, and the two charges are 18 U.S.C. 115 and 18 U.S.C. 1201. Those charges are assault on the immediate family member of a federal official, makes sense, Paul Pelosi, and attempted kidnapping of a federal official. Well, Paul Pelosi isn't a federal official, but his wife is. And as we read this affidavit, you're going to find out that David DePap told them that he planned to kidnap Nancy Pelosi. Again, I'm just presenting facts and evidence and these documents as they are. If you don't believe them or believe what's in them, you, you think they're whatever, okay, totally fine with me. You're welcome to believe that way. I'm still going to present it as is. If your judgment is that it's false or that it's true, either way, that's fine. I, Stephanie Minor, a special agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, being duly sworn, declare, and state as follows. I make this affidavit in support of an application under Federal Rules Criminal Procedure 3 and 4 for criminal complaint and arrest warrant for David Wayne DPAP. For the reasons set forth below, I submit that there is probable cause to believe that DPAP violated the following laws, and those are the ones I just said, Title 18 U.S.C. 115, by assaulting Paul Pelosi, an immediate fam family member of United States official, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, with intent to retaliate against such official on account of the performance of official duties. 
and Title 18 U.S.C. 1201 by attempting to seize or kidnap a United States official, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives. In summary, and as set out in more detail below, the facts of the investigation to date reveal that DPAP was prepared to detain and injure Speaker Pelosi when he entered the Pelosi residence in the early morning of October 28th. See if I can make this a little bigger. There we go. That's better. DPAP had zip ties, tape, rope, and at least one hammer with him that morning. The evidence further shows that DPAP assaulted Mr. Pelosi with his own hammer. So, I was wrong. Remember I mentioned that in that drone footage or helicopter footage or whatever the house, there was some construction gear it looked like in the backyard, and I speculated that perhaps DPAP got a hammer from there, and that's that's why a hammer came into this thing. Nope. Turns out DPAP took, had his own hammer that he took with him to the residence. So, Two, I submit this affidavit for the limited purposes of securing a criminal complaint and arrest warrant. Three, I have based my statements in this affidavit on my training and experience. Personal knowledge of the facts and circumstances obtained through my participation in this investigation. Information provided to me by other agents and law enforcement officers. Information provided by reports of other law enforcement officers. Information provided by audio recording evidence as well as video and photographic evidence and information provided by records and databases where I refer to conversations and events. I often refer to them in substance and in relevant part rather than in entirety or verbatim unless otherwise noted. This affidavit also reflects my current understanding of facts relating to this investigation. That understanding may change as the investigation proceeds. In addition, my experience and training as an FBI special agent also forms the basis of the opinions and conclusions set forth below. Now, she goes into details about her training and whatnot. She's been an FBI special agent since 2019. That isn't that long, but hey, I mean, it's three years. She's in the San Francisco office and Oakland resident. It says San Francisco field office, Oakland resident agency, where I specialize in investigations of domestic terrorism. I primarily investigate United States persons who commit violent criminal acts and furtherance of their political or social ideology. And then she goes into some of her training. We'll skip that. All right. Title 18 USC section 115 relevant part states, whoever assaults, kidnaps or murders or attempts to conspire or conspires to kidnap or murder or threatens to assault, kidnap, murder a member of an immediate family of a United States official with intent to impede, intimidate, or interfere with such official while engaged in the performance of official duties or with intent to retaliate against such official on account of the performance of official duties shall be punished as provided in subsection B. 18 U.S.C. section 1201 in relevant part states, quote, whoever unlawfully seizes, confines, and vet, and whoa, Dude, have I ever even read that word before? What is this word? Inveigle. To win over by co co coaxing, flattery, or artful talk to obtain cajolery. Inveigle. I don't think I've ever read that word in my life. Inveigle. Nice. I learned a new word today. I hope you did too. If not, you're laughing at me. Whoever unlawfully seizes, confines, inveigles, decoys, kidnaps, abducts, or carries away and holds for ransom or reward, or otherwise any person, except in the case of a minor or by the parent thereof, when the person is among those officers and employees described in section 1114 of this title, and any such act against the person is done with the person is engaged in, or on account of, the performance of official duties shall be punished. Whoever violates the subsection shall be punished by imprisonment for not more than 20 years. Okay, facts supporting probable cause. Here's the good stuff. Okay. Again, if you don't believe any of this stuff, that's fine with me. If you do believe it, that's fine with me too. I'm just presenting it as is. Make your own decisions about how much weight you give to it. On October 28, 2022, at 2.23 a.m., San Francisco Dispatch received a 911 call from Paul Pelosi located at the Pelosi residence in San Francisco, California. In this indictment, they will refer to Paul Pelosi simply as Pelosi, okay? Just FYI, 
So when it I'm saying Pelosi while reading this, we're not talking about Speaker Pelosi. We're talking about Paul. Pelosi stated words to the effect of there is a male in the home and that the male is going to wait for Pelosi's wife. Pelosi further conveyed that he does not know who the male is. The male said his name is David. Those are the bare facts. At 2.31 a.m., the San Francisco Police Department, Colby Wilms, yeah, Officer Colby Wilms responded to the Pelosi residence, California, and knocked on, um, residence, California, I don't, hmm, and knocked on the front door. When the door was opened, Pelosi and DPAP were both holding a hammer with one hand, and DPAP had his other hand holding onto Pelosi's forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. The officers asked them what was going on. DPAP responded that everything was good. Officers then asked Pelosi and DPAP to drop the hammer. All right. Good bet that this FBI agent has seen the body cam footage. Since we're here, let's go ahead and discuss this. It says that they knocked on the front door, and then it simply says when the door was opened. I believe this is because... Remember there was reporting that an unknown person opened the door. I am of the opinion that there wasn't a third person, but what it is is that they didn't know who opened the door. When that news story ran, I think it's that they simply did not know specifically who opened. So opened the door. So they wrote the news story as an unknown person, meaning either Pelosi or DPAP or an officer opened it. It's bad wording. What they should have said is that one of them opened the door or the door was opened by either one of these people. Instead, they wrote an unknown person opened the door. And that's where this discussion of there possibly being an unknown third individual involved has come from. Now, we may later find out that there was an, uh, a third person involved, but that's nowhere in this affidavit. Okay, next. DPAP pulled the hammer from Pelosi's hand and swung the hammer, striking Pelosi in the head. Officers immediately went inside and were able to restrain DPAP. While officers were restraining DPAP, Pelosi appeared to be unconscious on the ground. Officers removed a cell phone, cash, clipper cards, and an unidentified card from DPAP's right shorts pocket. DPAP provided officers his first and last name. After officers asked DPAP if he had an ID on him, DPAP said it might be in his backpack on the back porch and later stated his backpack was near the broken glass. When officers removed DPAP from Pelosi's residence, police body-worn camera footage showed a glass door that appeared to be laminated glass broken near the, hand the door handle. Okay, yeah, we've seen that, that image from outside. San Francisco Police Department recovered zip ties in Pelosi's bedroom and in the hallway near the front door of the Pelosi residence. In addition, law enforcement searched DPAP's backpack at the Pelosi residence, and they found, among other things, a roll of tape, white rope, one hammer, one pair of rubber gloves and cloth gloves, and a journal. So this is where the two-hammer thing comes from. This is where the report of there being two hammers comes from. He had a hammer in his hand, but there was another hammer in his backpack. That explains that. Witness statements. Officer Colby Wilms was able to interview a witness, witness one, who saw an individual in all black carrying a large black bag on his back walking near the Pelosi residence where witness one was parked. Witness one was working private security at an address nearby. Witness one then heard what sounded like banging on either a door or car and then heard the sirens within a minute or two. Okay, so this unknown person that was mentioned, here's a candidate for who that was, a security guard that was parked nearby. Pelosi was interviewed by SFPD officer Arian Starks, or Ariane, Arian, Ariane Starks, uh, who knows, and the ambulance, ambulance, why can't I just get simple names all the time in these shows, like David Smith and Peter and like, you know, Wilson I always got to get the strangest names that I have to read to y'all. Anyway, in the ambulance. Okay, so Pelosi was interviewed by Officer Starks in the ambulance during transport to San Francisco General Hospital. 
Pelosi stated he had never seen Deepap before. Pelosi was asleep when Deepap came into Pelosi's bedroom and stated he wanted to talk to Nancy. Footnote. I understand that when Deepap refers to Nancy, he means Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, I would expect. When Pelosi told him that Nancy was not there, Deepap stated that he would sit and wait. Pelosi stated that his wife would not be home for several days, and then Deepap reiterated that he would wait. Pelosi was able to go into the bathroom, which is when he call, was able to call 911. Pelosi stated that when the officers arrived, that was when Deepap struck him with the hammer. In a subsequent interview with law enforcement officers on October 30th, so this would probably be after he had surgery. Yeah, it would be after he had surgery. Paul Pelosi stated that DPAP had a hammer with him during the events described above at the Pelosi residence. Further, the hammer did not belong to the Pelosi family. DPAP's interview on the 28th. Okay, so this is an interview with DPAP. DPAP provided the following information. DPAP said that he was going to hold Nancy Pelosi hostage and talk to her. Ay, ay, ay. If Nancy were to tell DPAP the truth, he would let her go. And if she lied, he was going to break her kneecaps. DPAP was certain that Nancy would not have told the truth. In the course of the interview, DPAP articulated he viewed Nancy as the leader of the pack of lies told by the Democratic Party. DPAP also later explained that by breaking Nancy's kneecaps, she would then have to be wheeled into Congress, which would show other members of Congress there were consequences to actions. DPAP also explained generally that he wanted to use Nancy to lure another individual to DPAP. I wonder who the other person is. DPAP stated that he broke into the house through a glass door, which was a difficult task that required the use of a hammer. DPAP stated that Pelosi was in bed and appeared surprised by DPAP. DPAP told Pelosi to wake up. DPAP told Pelosi that he was looking for Nancy. Pelosi responded that she was not present. Pelosi asked how they could resolve the situation and what DPAP wanted to do. DPAP stated he wanted to tie Pelosi up so that DPAP could go to sleep as he was tired from having had to carry a backpack to the Pelosi residence. Around this time, according to DPAP, DPAP started taking out twist ties from his, from his pocket so that he could restrain Pelosi. Pelosi moved towards another part of the house, but DPAP stopped him, and together they went into the bedroom. While talking with each other, Pelosi went into a bathroom where Pelosi grabbed a phone to call 911. DPAP stated he felt like Pelosi's actions compelled him to respond. DPAP remembered thinking that there was no way the police were going to forget about the phone call. So, okay, remember that Pelosi called 911 but left the line open. And the dispatcher was listening in, trying to figure out what was going on. And that's why it was a welfare check at first, because the dispatcher's like, okay, we got this 911 phone call, but nobody's talking to me on it. So let's do a welfare check of this residence. And then as he's lit, as the dispatcher, he or she is listening to the phone call. They gave, they gave her credit. I think it was a, she, they gave her credit at the press conference. Um, she picks out parts of the conversation and that's where that's where that dispatcher call came from, where it says he's a friend. His name is David, but the person at the residence says they don't know who he is. So we got all that stuff going on. Um, anyway, but it seems like from this, DPAP must have realized that Pelosi dialed nine one one on that phone. That'll explain a, a different charge that I'll go over later. DPAP remembered thinking that there was no way the police were going to forget about the phone call. DPAP explained that he did not leave after Pelosi's call 911 because, much like the American founding fathers with the British, he was fighting against tyranny without the option of surrender. DPAP reiterated this statement elsewhere in the interview. 
We got a nutter, guys. We got a real nutter. Deepap stated that they went downstairs to the front door. The police arrived and knocked on the door. Pelosi ran over and opened it. Okay, here we go. Pelosi opened the front door. Pelosi grabbed onto Deepap's hammer, which was in Deepap's hand. At this point in the interview, Deepap repeated that Deepap did not plan to surrender and that he would go through Pelosi. Deepap said that he pulled the hammer away from Pelosi and swung the hammer towards him. Deepap explained that Pelosi's actions resulted in Pelosi taking the punishment instead. That's the quote. Okay. Items found at Deepap's residence. On October 29th, law enforcement determined that Deepap lived in the garage of a residence on Shasta Street in Richmond, California. By interviewing the owner of the premises who confirmed that Deepap was resi had, has resided in the garage for approximately two years. On October 29th, law enforcement searched the garage at the Shasta Street residence pursuant to federal search warrant. Among other things, agents seized two hammers, a sword, and a pair of rubber and cloth gloves. They just also found evidence that DPAP lived in the garage, including DMV paperwork, IRS letters, and PayPal credit cards. Conclusion. Based on the information above, there is probable cause to believe that David DPAP intentionally assaulted Paul Pelosi in violation of the statutes that I've mentioned and also attempted to kidnap Nancy Pelosi. So, by the way, it doesn't matter whether she was there or not. The guy already confessed. I mean, he told them. I went there to kidnap Nancy Pelosi and ask her questions and bust her kneecaps if I needed to. So, okay, that's the federal charges. There are also state charges. He was arraigned on state charges today and he pled not guilty, which is going to be really difficult for him since he already told agents all that I just read to you. So, but he was in court today. All right. This article from New York Post, the maniac who allegedly attacked Paul Pelosi with a hammer pleaded not guilty to 10 different state charges on Tuesday after already being slapped with federal charges that carry a prison sentence or possible prison sentence of 50 years. This is what the charges are. And I don't I don't have a document like what I had for the federal end. I don't have an indictment or an affidavit for these. I wish I did. I looked around, but I haven't seen it. It may not be public yet. Um, all right. His list of charges include attempted homicide, first degree burglary, violent felony enhancement, assault with a deadly weapon, aggravated battery with serious bodily injury, elder abuse. Inflict great bodily injury on the elderly, dissuading a victim, threatening a public official or family member, and damaging or preventing a communication for an emergency call. Okay. This last charge, that goes along with him figuring out that Pelosi had called 911, meaning he either smashed his phone or he, you know, stopped the 911 call. That's illegal. He interfered with Pelosi making an emergency call. So that's that charge. One of the most common, I mean, probably the most common question I have gotten or seen going around about the charges is where's the breaking and entering? And a lot of people are asking this because they're thinking he didn't break in. He was let in. And so he doesn't have a breaking entering charge because he was let in. Breaking and entering a residence falls under first degree burglary. So there is no specific charge of breaking and entering in this instance because it falls in this, the way I looked this up the other day, the way it falls in California is you can be charged with burglary in that first degree burglary and that covers breaking and entering. That's my understanding. So that's why you don't see breaking and entering, breaking and entering uh, listed there. DePape or DPAP appeared in orange jail clothes and had his right arm in a black sling. He made his plea through attorney Adam Lipson, who said he had sustained a dislocated right shoulder when he was detained. So there was a question about how is it that um, DPAP had an injury because he was in the hospital too? How did he get injured? And it's because when police tackled him, they dislocated his shoulder, which, man, I really want to see this body cam footage because... 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd really like to see this body cam footage. Um, all right. DPAP is currently being held without bail. His next hearing is set for November 4th. So later this week. Speaking after the arraignment, Lipson said, quote, there's also been a lot of speculation regarding Mr. Deepap's vulnerability to misinformation, and that's certainly something we are going to look into as his defense team. It would be premature to talk about that at this time. As of right now, I've, I haven't ever seen the police report. I haven't even seen the police report. I met my client last night. It was a brief meeting for the first time, so I'm not going to add to the speculation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here is Pelosi at her home, October 31st. A prosecutor told the court the Pelosi's wanted to watch the hearing but were not provided a video link in time. The Pelosi's want their privacy respected and do not want to make a statement at this time. The judge also approved a restraining order against DPAP for both Nancy and Paul, inquiring him to stay at least 150 feet away. The case remains an active investigation that involves San Francisco police, the SF District Attorney's Office, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the U.S. Capitol Police. All right, I want to grab this picture and just show y'all. Do we have any other interesting pictures? Okay. I just want to show y'all that this is, a, this is the best picture I've seen of the glass. And yes, there is glass outside but you can see there's also glass inside. So it's not... I'm just going to say, you can make of it what you will. There's glass on both sides. In my, the way it looks to me, there's glass on both sides. That's a, he made a big opening here. That is a big opening. Dang. All right. Oh, I already showed that. Okay. So, all right. I guess what I'll do is the fun part now. So. Let me show you something I don't believe I covered. Yeah, I don't. I think I, I had this up for a moment, but I was nearing the end of the show on Monday and I didn't go through this. So you've probably heard that this DPAP guy had an online presence and he had some crazy blogs, right? Well, something very, very curious about these blogs. Attacker blogs are fake because they were created on Friday and deleted on Saturday. Archive services let users submit pages to save. Dates are, are save attempts, not proof of existence of the site. Nobody cared about this blog until last Friday. These blogs very much look fake and staged. October right there, October 29th. Those are all the snapshots for it. There's his other blog, October 28th, 12 snapshots. Nobody cared at all about the, these sites until all of a sudden last Friday, before, right before the attack. And when that, and they made sure to archive them. Both sites suddenly activated in August, but timestamps on blog entries could be manipulated. WordPress and Wix have IP addresses of whomever uploaded the content. Wix has billing details of whomever paid for the Friendly Friends domain name in September. Friendly fin Friends is one of the blogs allegedly associated with this guy. That person deleted. The address is real. It's confirmed. The attacker lives in a hippie home in Berkeley with BLM pride flags. Um, was one thing that, remember we were looking at that house with the BLM flags? Well, according to the affidavit, that's not where he was living. 
according to the affidavit and the documents that we've looked at, he was living at 822 Shasta Street for the past two years. And that's about 10 minutes away in Richmond. He used address to, to register the domain name last month. Well, allegedly he did. DPAP has lived at both locations, though. So who are the housemates that he's been living with? This is the one we've looked at with the bus and the BLM signs and all the other stuff and the, the pride flag and all that. But the residence that was searched and where he's been living the past two years allegedly is in this garage at Shasta Street. But these addresses are real close, as you can see. They're, there's 11 minutes. They're 6.2 miles away. Um, and he has lived at both in the recent past. So really curious to learn who else lives at these addresses and what they know about this guy, how long they've known him, all that stuff. From San Francisco Chronicle, a couple leaving the home refused to comment on whether DPAP lived there or if authorities had been there earlier in the day. We know they had been. A neighbor across the street was shocked at the allegation and confirmed through a photo that DPAP had lived there. Quote, this takes me totally by surprise. I can't possibly imagine he would have been involved in anything like that. The neighbor said he had hired the person he knew only as David to do carpentry work at the house. We have nothing but good things to say about him, the neighbor said. And we never discussed politics. Okay, take that, take that for what it's worth to you. All right. Pelosi attacker David Depap alleged to have written the blog godisloving.wordpress.com. It's been untouched for 15 years until August. Also in August, 100 plus posts copied and created at a new site hosted by Wix, later under domain name Friendly Friends. So suddenly in August, this, guy's go, this guy goes all active online. Starts making all these posts and lots of them are just copy paste things into a blog. Almost like, almost like somebody was trying to create a person trying to create a person in a presence online under the name David. He didn't even do anon. He didn't even go anon on this site. He wrote, he put, used his name, David Depap. Facts are racist. Welcome to big brother censorship. Hell. Okay. All right, the reason I'm showing you these things is because somebody tried, somebody planned this, okay? They took this this David Depap character who we know is a nudist or associated with nudists, who we know we know he's we know he's a lefty. Though God, leave my nose. We know he's a lefty. We also know he's all over the place with political belief. The guy's the guy to me, the guy seems like a total nutcase. Just a complete like um Jackson Pollock painting of political beliefs. Like he's he's just all over the place and he's insane. There's no nothing he's not coherent. He's not a coherent he doesn't have a coherent philosophy. Uh, but this stuff, him, all this stuff right here, this blog thing. This is what I am thinking. This, this is what I am thinking. I'm going to give you all my current theory. And it's just, it's just my working theory. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying that this is exactly it. Hold on just a moment. I'm going to get it. There we go. I wrote it out earlier in my chat. So if you were in, if you're in my telegram chat and you've already seen it, 
but this is just my working theory right now about this event. And as we get more facts and evidence, it'll change. But right now, the facts and evidence that we have been presented make enough sense to me to take them at face value unless I have some, unless I find more contradictions for them. Okay. So I really want to see, I really want to see security cam footage. Maybe one day we will. I really want to see the body cam footage. I think that's more likely that we'll see that. And I think, um, since this guy pled not guilty, if this goes to trial, I have a most likely guys, his lawyer is going to try and talk him into taking some sort of agreement and pleading guilty to lesser charges or something, because how is he ever going to beat this? But who knows? This guy maybe is crazy. So maybe he wants the trial in order for the circus to happen. You know, kind of like the, uh, what's his name? The piece of shit who ran over people at the Christmas parade, who just had his crazy wacko trial, you know, like this could be the same thing with this guy, which would be pretty entertaining. At trial, we would get to see this, um, or would most likely we would get to see the video footage, okay, and the pictures and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how much of that stuff is going to come out in the near term, but this is my working theory. And again, I'm not putting hats on anybody, I'm not putting any hats on anybody. My working theory is that the deep state is trying to take. Paul Pelosi out. And I think that's because the Pelosi's are not currently on team deep state. I'm not saying they never were. I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're patriots. I'm saying that there's something going on here where this guy who is a classic comes across to me like a classic Example of a MK Ultra person who's been activated to do something. My working theory, my hypothesis is that this guy was programmed to go do this and he was set up to do this. And I think it's because when you, when you think about the, uh, remember the car accident with Paul? It's really strange. I got this. I'm wondering if Deep State is trying to take out Paul Pelosi because they are unhappy with Nancy. So I think DPAP is an MK Ultra drone of theirs. They activated him. He went to the residence armed with a hammer and other things. He broke in and as detailed in the affidavit, told Paul that he planned to wait for Nancy. Of course, the plan that he had is idiotic. It was never going to work. It was always going to fail. But the dude's insane. He's not going to have a reasonable, well, good plan. Like It doesn't matter if he even has a good plan. Because what is the media going to do? Exactly what they've done. The media is going to take this guy who's been set up with the blogs and all that kind of stuff. And then with what he, his plan is for this, this kit, this attempted kidnapping thing, it's the media is going to take it all and just try and use it against MAGA and against Q and against the nons. And that's what they're going to do no matter what, whether this plan succeeded in some way, or even if this guy had only gotten into the backyard and then been tackled hell, even if he hadn't gotten to the backyard, if he had just gotten on the same street and got tackled by cops, the media would still be reporting exactly what they're reporting right now. So it doesn't even matter how successful he was, okay? It just matters that he said what he said and that these blogs existed so that media could use them to paint the picture that we've experienced them, seen them painting over the past several days. So... That's what I that's what I think is going on. Now, that's just my working theory. That's where I'm at on it. It's only been a few days since this event happened. So as we get more information, I'll adjust that theory. But that's what I think. Now, a lot of people are thinking this didn't even happen or that 
this was actually something else. This was some sort of tryst or this was some sort of lover's quarrel or he's a prostitute or something like that. I, I find those, I find it personally, I find those theories more difficult. I find Well, no, I find them less plausible than what I just presented to you, which bare bones, crazy guy is put up to this goes to carry it down. It's a plan that's doomed to fail, but it doesn't matter because the media already have a narrative ready to go. I think that's far easier to believe. I think that the the affidavit from police, the police press conference, the dispatch call that we've heard, the the charges against him, what's been described for us in the documents and, and whatnot, I find all of that more plausible than this is so, than this being some cover up for something else prostitution or drug deal or whatever like i just i just i just don't think those things are very plausible if you think those are more plausible that's fine with me um but yeah that's where i'm at on it and paul pelosi's still in the hospital last i heard he had a fractured skull he had surgery um there was some some images of, uh, I think it was New York post had like some slides made that showed that he had died, like pre-planned announcements of him dying. I think those were probably done just so they would have them ready. That's not unusual for news to do that. Uh, and they accidentally put them up or maybe not accidentally. But if we learn later on that Paul didn't survive this, then yeah, but it seems like he's, he's, I mean, he interviewed with police. So, and he already had surgery and he's, he's done these interviews with police. So I, I feel like he's probably going to make it, but yeah. Um, that's right. That's where I'm at on this guys. And it, it sucks that there's been so much confusion on this story. And a lot of it is to do with just media well, basically all of it's to do with just media, just making stuff up and trying. I mean, they had, to me, it seems pretty obvious. They had a narrative ready to go. They had this planned out. Um, I don't know how much coordination there was, but to me, they had this ready to go. They, they, they were ready. Um, and they've been on message this entire time. And unfortunately, The things this guy said back some of that up, or at least the pieces of what we've learned. You know, it, it's, um, yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got. I don't know what I don't know what else to say right now. So we'll wait to get some more information. All right. So that's my bonus hour, guys. If you enjoyed it. Uh, please give a uh, a thumbs up on it or a like or whatever. Share it. I just want to go over these bare facts tomorrow on the show. I got some more stuff to present um, on different topics. I'll leave this story alone, and I have some I have some more stuff. Um, so, God bless each and every one of you. Have a good one. I'll see you on Wednesday morning.